Welcome to this week's episode of the NACF Podcast. Today's date is 5-29-22. Today happens to be our family and friends day in church. And today, Pastor Parson talks about an issue that we all deal with. We all born in a family. We all born to a family. But are we family or are we family-ish? But sin messed up the family. And the family began to deteriorate into something that God did not desire. So then Jesus comes and he forgives all of our sins. And so now in the New Testament, family is the restoration and order post sin, but in grace. So the New Testament gives us the order of the family, the purpose of the family, post sin, after sin, while we're living in grace. Post sin, that means after sin hit the family. Refreshments for you after we're going to just hang out and fellowship together. It is dressed down Sunday, but I see the divas. This is what y'all, the divas consider dressed down. Got me looking dressed down, but it's dressed down Sunday. I'll tell you about this T-shirt I got on after service. Uh, but uh, be comfortable, hang out with us, and after service, don't leave. We're having a fellowship today. So let's get this word in and... Uh, get ready to just love on each other after service. Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 21. It is there for you on the screen. We got a lot of reading to do, but that's okay because you need to study this anyway. Amen? Let's go. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may, it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life in the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. 
Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Our topic this afternoon is family-ish. Family-ish. In uh, 2014, there was a television situation comedy released by ABC called Blackish. And Blackish was about a well-to-do black family, the Johnsons. Um, for some of you, your, your generation, it would have been the Huxtables. And for almost some of us, our generation, it was the Jeffersons. That was moving on up to the east side. So the title, Blackish, comes from a line in the pilot, which Dre, who is a father, says he wants his family to be black, not black ish. Dre was worried that their privilege and their wealth may have separated them from the concept of blackness that he had grown up with as a working class kid in Compton. He, he, he didn't want them to be black-ish. So, so the show Blackish de depicts the struggle of staying true to the original while living in another world. to stay true to the original while living in another world. Is this not the struggle of the Christian family today? How do we stay true to the biblical purpose and design of the family while we're living in a secular world? You see, family is God's masterpiece of creation. He alone defines it because he alone designed it. I'm going to say that three times for everybody that want to have their own definitions. He alone defines it because he alone designed it. And so he has a design for what family is. What God defines as family is what family is. Everything else is family-ish. It has become the custom of New Antioch to spend the month uh, between Mother's Day and Father's Day looking at family. So this year we're leveling up the family as we level up fellowship the, the, uh, the month of May. We level up fellowship the month of June. We'll level up love. And in the middle of that, we're leveling up family. So let's see where we are. New A. New A. New A. I feel like I'm leveling up. So today we're going to pull out the biblical teaching of the New Testament family. We'll pull out the design set forth by God and then it's reinstated here in the book of Ephesians by the Holy Spirit as he speaks through the Apostle Paul. So as we exegete this text, which simply means pull out the meaning of the scripture, I want you to ask yourself the question, are you family? Or are you family-ish? See, the suffix ish comes from Old English, and it's a, uh, what they call a, a diminutive, a diminutive, a, a diminutive for my English people. Uh, that means that the word before it is lessened in its intensity. That if you put ish behind it, it lessens the intensity of the word before ish, and then it is diminished. 
It may be a strong word, but when the ish is added to it, it decreases it. It decreases its intensity. It decreases its purity. It, it decreases its original form. Y'all know how we do. I'll be there at seven-ish. Hmm, that tasted chicken-ish. It wasn't quite chicken, but it was chicken-ish. Or, or I'm in love-ish. Ish means to have the characteristics of. Ish is approximate. Ish is having just a touch or a trace of. Like the car is blue-ish. So I entitled this sermon Family-ish. How do we stay true to the biblical purpose and design of the family while we're living in this secular world? Because family as designed by God was destroyed by sin. It started out like this. Man was this one creature. Mankind was one creature. He took the one creature, he made them into two creatures. And then marriage and sexual intimacy in that order. Marriage and sexual intimacy in that order. Marriage and sexual intimacy in that order made the two creatures one again. Out of that union came children. And all together they became God's masterpiece, which he calls the family. And that family was to continue to be fruitful and to multiply until they replenish or fill to capacity the earth. Then they were also to subdue the earth and have dominion over the earth. But the other purpose of any family is first the survival of its members. Because babies come into the world not able to survive on their own. And so the, the, the family is supposed to, uh, the purpose is the survival of the, men, of the members of that family. You're supposed to keep everybody alive as much as you can. And then when they get older also, when you get old and can't take care of yourself, God placed us in family. And so one thing is the, per, is the survival of its members. And then the family is to raise children that become autonomous, meaning Eventually, they're supposed to be able to take care of themselves. And as they, you raise them up to be able to take care of themselves, then they help take care of the family. But sin messed up the family. And the family began to deteriorate into something that God did not design. So then Jesus comes and he forgives all of our sins. And so now in the New Testament, family is the restoration and order post sin, but in grace. So the New Testament gives us the order of the family, the purpose of the family post sin, after sin, while we're living in grace. Post sin, that means after sin hit the family. It hit that oneness, that oneness and order had to be restored because that natural oneness that we had was broken because of sin. So Ephesians tells us what the family is supposed to look like after it got destroyed by sin and now we're in grace and we have to put the family back together again. Before sin was there, there didn't have to be any order set in family because there was no sin. Everybody was doing what they were supposed to do, but sin brought chaos 
And when sin brought chaos, someone had to be put in charge. Somebody had to put rules, and, and these things had to be addressed. So the New Testament family had to be taught. It didn't come natural. Now we have to teach people how to be family. And so this is what family is by definition and design. The New Testament, the Ephesians, what we read, is it tells us what family is by design, by definition. And anything that is less than that is not family. It's family-ish. So are you a family? Or are you family-ish? Do you just have some characteristics of a family? Are you approximately a family, but not quite? Or you have a touch or a trace of family, but your family diminished, a lesser version. Do you need to level up your family? Are you a Christian family or are you just family-ish? Let's find out. How do we stay true to the biblical purpose and design of the family while we're living in a secular world? Well, let's look at Ephesians 5.21. It starts off like this. Submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. Now, this word submit in the Greek world was the word hypotazo. Hypotazo. Hypo means under, you know, like hypoglycemia or hypomania is under. So hypo means under, and tazo can mean a, to place in a certain order or a relative position. So this word is that in the Greek that, that, that we translate submit is hypotazo, which means under and order. It means to place or arrange under. You place you position under. So to submit to one another means to place or arrange yourself under each other. Each member of the family puts the other members of the family first. There's a mutual submission in a true family. Every member puts the other members first. The husband or the father positions his needs and desires under those of his wife and or children. The wife or the mother positions her needs under those of her husband and her children. And then the children position their needs and desires under those of their parents. And that goes for every member of the family, regardless of what your family looks like. If you, you have to hypotazo, you have to place yourself under, you place your needs under. This may not be in my best interest. I could have had that for myself, what I have sacrificed for you. My life could have looked like this, but that doesn't work, work well for you. This is hard on me, but it makes it easier for you. This is not what I would have chosen, but it makes all of them happy. So I... I hypotazo. 
I submit, I position my needs under the needs or the desires of my family. So in the biblical family, nobody gets their way all of the time. In the biblical family, no one insists on dictating every decision. In a biblical family, no one puts themselves above the family. No one gets to be the sole center of attention. Everybody gets a chance to have their needs come first, and everybody gets a chance to put other needs first. Everybody hypotasso. Everybody sacrifices some time. And we put love too often on a pedestal. Oh, love, and it's wonderful, and it gets all my stuff, and I'm like, but you got to take love off the pedestal and put it on the cross. Take love off a pedestal. Put it on the cross. Love is not selfish. Love is sacrificial. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the payment for our sins. Love is being able to give someone else what you could have kept for yourself. God gave his son because we needed it. Son gave his life. The son could have kept his own life, but Jesus gave it up because we needed it. Even Jesus hypotazo. Even Jesus positioned his will under the will of the Father because it was the best thing for the family. Hypotasso. God the Father, God the Son, and all of us born-again believers make up the family of God. We are the family in the kingdom of God. We are family. We're not family-ish because we hypotasso. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I really could have dropped the mic just on that point right there. That's what makes us a family. We hypotazo, we position our needs and desires under the needs and desires of the family. And everybody does it. Everybody. But he moves on. To verse 22, wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body, which he is the savior. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, as the church hypotazos to Christ, so should wives hypotasmo submit to their husbands in everything. So are you a wife or are you wife-ish? Now, brothers, before you get happy and start pointing scripture at your wife, know that this scripture is not talking to you. It's not for you. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It's not for you to interfere with or to try to make it happen and try to put this scripture all in your wife's face. This face, this is uh, the Bible is talking to wives. This is an A-B conversation. Brother, see your way on out of it. Now, he talks about the entire family of God being submissive one to another, but then he moves specifically to the family, and he starts with the wife. Why the wife? Why are you going to start with us? It's because we are more gifted for relationship. My, my, my auntie told me this when I got married. She said, marriage is what the wife makes it. 
Now, now, now that was woman-to-woman advice. So that scripturally, it's the man is still responsible leader of the family, but, but she was just letting, us, letting me know, woman-to-woman, marriage is what the woman makes it. And, and when you look in the Hebrew, uh, the word mother comes from a Hebrew word which means strong water. And strong water is what they called glue. The way they made glue, it was strong water. It held things together. So they used that term to relate to the mother of the family. We hold things together. That's right, strong water. We, we, we hold things together. Which means we also can do the most damage if we decide to fight. Proverbs 21 and 9 says, it's better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome woman. Proverbs 21, 19 says, it's better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Wives, we are the atmospheric creators of the home. I hear too many male voices. I said, God wasn't talking to you, brothers. He's talking to us. <laughs> Wives are the creators of atmosphere in the home. So are you a wife or are you just wife-ish? Because we are to position our needs and desires under the needs and desires of our families and our husbands in particular. Now, we were made to have dominion just like them. We're smart just like them. We have power and ability just like them. They have some stuff that we don't have, and we got a whole lot of stuff they don't have. Physically, mentally, emotionally. But when sin entered the world, God had to restore some order. And y'all, Eve sinned first. She did. And she got a consequence, and we just happened to be born female. So suck it up. It is what it is. Now, Jesus restored women back to their original place. And if we always walked in the spirit, if we always walked in the grace, this verse wouldn't even be necessary. If we came on and got real good and saved and kept walking in the spirit, this verse in the Bible would not even be necessary, but we don't. So, in order to have some order in the family, somebody has to be in charge. If push comes to shove, somebody has to be in charge. So, stop fighting it, ladies. Just get over it. Just Let's get over it. Ain't no need y'all arguing with God about it. Just get over it. But then work it. You see, a wife will know how to entreat her husband and get her way most of the time. If her way is right. If her way is right, a wife will know how to get her way most of the time. But a wife-ish will fight, and she'll fall into that other scripture in Proverbs 14 and 1 that says, A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. So ladies, wives, mothers, and all of you that are female members of a family, your job then is to position your needs under the needs of the family and make this family thing work according to God's definition and design. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
This word love is the Greek word agapeo. It means to prefer, to long for, to take pleasure in, to esteem. Husbands, prefer your wife. Long for your wife. Take pleasure in your wife. Esteem your wife. Husbands give themselves up for their wives and families. Husbands give themselves up for their wives and their families. It put, they put them first. They lead them. You lay down your life for their well-being. So are you a husband or are you husband-ish? Now, Bible scholars, we know that the word ish in the Hebrew actually is the word husband. I found out it actually is referring to God being uh, our husband. But, but this ish I'm talking about, so let's not confuse those. Somebody going to tell me, well, you know, ish mean husband. Yeah, I know that, but that's Hebrew. This is the English ish. So that I, I could make some good points with that, uh, being the diminutive, but, it, but that don't fit. That's not true. So, so y'all just put that aside. And so so, husbands, so wives, uh, wives, this is not to you. You don't have anything to do with this. The Bible's talking to the men now. Stay out of it. Don't be pointing the scripture all in his face. He's not talking to you. He's talking to the men. And so men, Christ stripped himself of his glory and position and his place. And he came down here and gave his total self to us. He put that love on a cross. And this is how you're supposed to love your wife. It is not a feeling. It's a command and a decision. It is not a feeling. I just don't feel that way about it. And he didn't ask you about how you felt about her. He said it's a command and this is a decision. It's not even predicated on how she treats you. It don't have nothing to do with how she treats you. Why? Because it's like Christ loved the church. Christ died for the ungodly while we were yet sinners. He didn't wait till we acted right and then decided he was going to love us like that and give himself. So, men, you can't wait until she act right to give yourself to her. To give yourself up. I know you don't trust her. But you're going to have to do this regardless. I know you think she's going to mess up your money. I know you think she's disrespectful. I know she's not what you thought you were getting. But you're going to have to give yourself up. Because in verse 28, after explaining how Christ loved the church and, 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 and how he did that, it said, in this same way, husbands are to love their wives as, this time, as their own bodies. He said, who he who loves his wife loves himself. So brothers, husbands, repeat after me. She is me. She, she is me. Verse 29 says, after all then, no one ever hated their body. But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Now, we're not talking about hating what your body looks like. Because, child, when we start looking at these gala pictures, <laughs> mine especially, I found out I could get somebody to take the pictures and smooth my belly out. 
So we're not talking about hating your body like this. You might not, you know, men kind of like that your muscles that used to be up are kind of down now. But, but let your body get hurt. Let it get hungry. Let it get thirsty. Let it get too hot. Let it get too cold. Let it get tired. Let it get sick. You're going to love on that body. Nobody hurt. Nobody hates their own flesh. When you stub that toe, everything in your body begins to go to that toe. You don't hate your own flesh. When you get hungry, you eat. I can tell by looking at you. When you get thirsty, I get me something to drink. You take care of your body. You love on that body. You give it what it needs, and you give it most of what it wants. Now, you will tell it no when necessary. Every now and then, you do have to love your body by telling your body no. But you say yes to your body most of the time. And so let me park here. It's a sensitive subject, but I got to teach what the Bible said. The Bible says that when you're married, your body is not your own. And that scripture goes both ways. That the wife's body does not belong to her when she's married. The husband's body does not belong to him when you're married. Your bodies belong to each other. And so particularly in sex, we've always taught Women are not to deprive their husbands of sex. And they are not supposed to use sex as a weapon. <laughs> like you do something I want you to do, I'm shutting down. Bible says you don't do that. You're not supposed to use sex as a punishment, ladies. You don't manipulate your husband like that. But y'all know this thing goes both ways. Men, if you no longer have sexual desire, there's a certain age to test your testosterone drops, it could be health three, whatever. Men, if you no longer have sexual desire, but your wife still does, you are absolutely wrong not to satisfy her. You are absolutely wrong. You're wrong to keep affection from her because you're mad at her. You're wrong to punish her by pulling away from her physically. That thing goes both ways. You give yourself up. I've been counseling for over 35 years, and I'm telling you, it goes both ways. Whoever is holding out is wrong. I have them both ways in my office. Sometimes uh, the man is saying she won't, she won't, she won't. She always saying she always tired and she always pretending like she's sleeping. And but I have it the other way where the woman really desires her husband and he won't. Are you a husband? Or your husband ish? Because verse 31 says the two will become one flesh. So repeat it again. Say it loud, brother. She is me. And then verse 33 sums it up. It says, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You see, God knows how he made us. Women are not happy if they're not loved. Men are not happy if they're not respected. 
You can love him all you want to, but if you disrespect him and treat him like he's just another child in your house, he is not going to be happy. Men, you can you can uh, respect a wife, think she's smart, think she's wonderful, say a whole bunch of things about her, but if she does not believe you love her, she's not going to be happy. So, are you wife? Or you wife-ish? Are you husband? Are you husband-ish? Let me say it this way. Are you married? Or are you married-ish? Are you really married? Or are you married-ish? We might have to do one of those. <laughs> Pastor Sherrod, we might... We might, we might need a, a session that's called Married-ish. But let's go to chapter 6. <laughs> Verse 1. Children, obey your parents. In the Lord. Y'all can breathe now. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Are you children or are you children-ish? Because although you position your needs under your children, your children are still to be obedient to you. Otherwise, you don't have children. You got some folks in your house that are children-ish. <laughs> no, y'all don't have to be quiet on this one. Well, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. So children, listen to me. Again, though, the Bible is talking to children here. Um, again, he's he not talking to you, parents. He's talking to children. That is true. Um, but most of them are not going to pick up a Bible themselves and decide that they're going to obey you. You have to teach them to obey you. I'm going to say that a few times. Parents, you have to teach them to obey you. Teach them to obey you. Teach them to obey you. Because most of them are not going to just read the Bible. But you know what? You, repeat it to them. Now here you can get the scripture. Repeat it to them. Make them write it down. If they keep disobeying you, put them in a chair somewhere and I want you to write Ephesians 6 and 1 1,000 times so you get in your spirit that children obey their parents. Read it to them. Make them write it out. But children, you, you, you really have to make the decision to obey. Let me define children. One definition of children are people that are under 18. Another definition of children might be uh, people who are under 21. A third definition of children are people who are living in your house that don't pay any bills. They don't pay a power bill. They don't pay a water bill. They don't buy no groceries. They don't pay for the cable that they watch. That's another definition. You might be 27, but if you're not paying nothing up in that house, you are in the category of children. Some of y'all got 25-year-olds and you're still paying their cell phone. The devil is a lie. 
You 27 years old, pay for your own cell phone. Well, we got a family plan. Take them off your family plan and make them pay that cell phone bill. Other than that, you got a 35-year-old children in your house. <laughs> they're not children, they're children-ish. But children, it has to be your decision to obey because of the, the truth of the matter is we can't make you do anything. Now, how many of y'all had parents that psyched you out and you really thought they could make you do stuff? They just psyched us out. We just got y'all psyched out because the truth of the matter is we can't make you do anything. Even if you held a gun on me, you can't make me do it. I might choose the gun. I might choose the punishment, but you can't make me do it. So parents, if you have children that are still in your house that are obedient, you really need to be thankful for that. If you can just tell them to come, come here, and they come here, you tell them to go to their room, and they go to their room, you tell them to, you know, to wash a dish, and they wash a dish, be grateful because you really can't make them do it. So children, you've got to make the decision to obey, but check this out. If you will obey. There are some promises that go along with that. See, in the Old Testament, they could kill you if you was disobedient enough. They could drag you out in the city and they could stone you to death. And so that scripture was seen immediately. You'll live longer if you're obedient. But now we see it still, but we see it slowly. We see it in your behavior. If you have parents who are raising you right and you obey, you will have a better life and a longer life. Now, a lot of people say, well, I know somebody that was a really good child, and then they, they got sick, and they died. But those are what they call anecdotal. I mean, you can always find an exception. But for the most part, let me tell you how I know that obeying your parents in the right gives you a longer life. Because if somebody tries to put some insurance, when I go to get insurance, they want to know how I live. They want to know, do I drink? Do I smoke? They want to know if I got a traffic ticket. Because what they have found out is that people who live better, meaning that they've obeyed their parents and what's right, people who live better, who live better live longer. And if I'm going to insure you, I want to insure somebody that has been obedient. I want to insure somebody. If you're, doing, if you're drinking and drugging and all of that stuff, not even the insurance company wants you because they have already figured out that obeying your parents and those good things that they're teaching you to do does make you live longer. So if you, you, you'll enjoy it, but look, look what I saw in here. It said that you would live, you would enjoy long life. Not just live long life, but enjoy long life. You will enjoy life so much better health-wise, financially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally young people. You'll enjoy life much better if you obey righteous parents that are telling you what's right. Because you all, you don't know what you think you know. And that almost makes me emotional to tell you young people that all y'all under 21 or that's 25 living like you're under 21. Baby, you don't know what you think you know. I, I know, I know you, you got it on the internet and you Googled it and, and you, I, I, I'm telling you babies, you don't know what you think you know. And you'll live a better life if you obey. So parents though, have you given them a reason to follow your leadership? Have you given your children a reason 
to follow your leadership? Why should they obey you? Why should they obey you? What do you have to show for your own advice? What do you have to show for your own advice? Honey, you shouldn't spend your money like that, but what do you have to show for your own advice? Yeah, that, 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 that boy not right for you. That, that woman ain't right for you. Well, who are you fooling with? What do you have to show for your own advice, baby? Why should they obey you? What do you have to show for it? So are you a parent or are you parent-ish? Verse 4 of chapter 6 says, fathers, or also to parents, do not exasperate your children. That word exasperate means to provoke to anger, to arouse someone to anger, to push them into anger, to get up close and personal in their anger. You get so up close to them and in their face that you arouse them to wrath. In other words, it's a nice way to say it. Get out those kids' face. Get up out their face. All of it, and this is what I'll do, and you ain't, and, and, and you and, 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 get the Bible says, don't provoke them to wrath by being up close and then by back up and have a conversation with these kids. Get out of their face. Don't purposely push them into anger. Reason with them. Stop fussing all the time. And then don't publicly embarrass them. Especially those that are, that are raising young men. There's something about that, you know, about a man. You can't just, just rip a man up in front. You can't talk to a 17-year-old man like you talk to your seven-year-old seven little boy. Yeah. You provoke them to wrath. Then it says you do discipline them, though. It says bring them to maturity. Train them. Train them. Train them. Instruct them where in the Lord. It said train them in the Lord. Don't make them mad. Train them in the Lord. What have you told your child about Jesus lately? Do they even know who he is? Have they met him through you? Or all they know about him is, is when we bring him to kids' church. What, what, what have they learned about Jesus from you? Are you keeping them or are you raising them? Y'all know what my say, I'm keeping, I'm keeping, I'm keeping, I'm not raising. Are you keeping? Or are you raising? The Bible says instead of making them angry, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Everybody say training and instruction. Training. Say it again. Training and instruction. Have you taught them? Have you shown them? Have you held them accountable for their behavior towards the Lord? Not got all in their face because they disrespected you. But have you held them accountable for the way they treat the Lord? Have the kid ever got in trouble for being disrespectful to God? Keep them accountable for their behavior towards the Lord. If I were to ask you, does your, who taught your child how to pray? The Sunday school teacher? The grandma? Who taught your child how to pray? Who taught your child how to study the word? Who taught your child how to manage money? Who taught them how to treat other people? And Lord, who taught them how to dress? Sometimes I look 
And, and I, shouldn't, I shouldn't blame it on the mom, but sometimes I look at these girls and sometimes I look at these boys and my first thought is, where is your mother? What made her think that, that you look good when you came out the house? <laughs> Have you taught them how to dress? Have you taught them how to clean? Can they clean up a room? Can they clean a bathroom? Have you taught them how to work? These kids can't hold a job because nobody taught them how to work. I didn't like the way they talked to me, so I quit the job. <laughs> they make you work too hard. Who taught them how to work? Who taught them how to love? I pulled my daughter aside one day and I said, I don't know if I, I, I showed you love, but I don't know if I taught you how to love. Who taught them how to forgive? Who taught them how to tithe? Who taught them how to save? Who taught them how to take care of business? Well, I told them. I've been telling them. I told them. I'm not saying tell them. Uh-uh, no. Did you teach them? Yeah. There's a difference between telling them and teaching them. Did you train them? Did you spend the time to do it together? Are you even present? Are you even, do you even go home? Are you a parent? Or are you just parent-ish? You all, it's time for us to level up. Level up. Level up, women. We have to fight not to dominate and discourage. Men, you're going to have to fight not to use your leadership as a vehicle to be selfish. Children, you're going to have to fight to be obedient when you really want to be independent from your parents. And parents, you're going to have to fight to do the hard work of raising children. Do you love them enough to level up? Well, do you love the Lord enough to level up? If you don't love him or them enough to submit yourself and do this hard work, then you only love you. And if you only love you, you can't be married. You just married-ish. You can't be a family. You're just family-ish. Because let's be honest, sometimes we just don't want to. So what's your why? You was, if, why put all this work in? If I can get by without it. Why should I level up? Because they're being happier. That's not enough for me to want to level up. And some of you are saying, I ain't doing all that because she won't be happy anyway. Don't nothing make her happy. I'm not doing all that. He's not going to be happy anyway. I did all that and they cheated on me anyway. I did all that and she didn't change a thing. I did all that. And those ungrateful kids went their own way and they disrespected me and everything I stood for. So why, why, why shouldn't I just settle for being married-ish? Why shouldn't I just settle for being a parent-ish? Why not settle for being family-ish? Because it takes work to be the real thing. How do we stay true to the biblical purpose and design of the family while we're still living in a secular world? You're going to have to have a why. What's your why? But your why is in the text. And just in the text that I read, 10 times Christ or Lord is mentioned. In other words, you do it because he asked you to. Why should I do, be this kind of parent? Because he asked you to. Why should I be this kind of husband? This kind of wife because he asked you to do it as unto the Lord so we pray right now Holy Spirit 
convict us of playing you short. Holy Spirit, convict us for giving you second best. Holy Spirit, convict us for displeasing you just to please ourselves because you want a family. You don't want this family-ish. So God, help us. Holy Spirit, help us to level up. If you're here today and anything in this sermon has touched something you need to do a little bit better, you need to level up. Just stand on your feet. If anything I said today, because I'm already standing, because the word hit me before it hits anybody else. Whether you're a child that needs to be more obedient, a husband or wife that needs to be more sacrificial, you need to walk in this word better, a parent that needs to get together, level up, just stand on your feet and say, God, the word hit me today. I got some areas I need to level up. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, you see your people standing, God. Let the conviction of the Holy Spirit move on us. We need a why. God, help us to love you the way that you love us in the name of Jesus. God, help us to love our families in the way that we need to love our families. Help me, God, to be a real husband. Help me, God, to be a real wife. Help me, God, to be a real parent. Help me, God, to be a real child to my fathers and my mothers. In the name of Jesus, God, help our families to level up. Move on us, God. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't do it, God. You're going to have to help me do this. Help me, God. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. By myself, it's not going to work. God. Spirit of the living God, I need you to walk through this room right now and move on the people of God. Let us leave here, God, with a decision to do this thing better. To be the kind of parent that you want me to be. I need the kind of wife, the kind of mother, the kind of child. The kind of family. Because it's not going to work without you, God. It won't work. Lord, I need. Lord, I need. I need your into your life. You need to accept Jesus into your heart. We call that being saved. And when you do that, you say, Jesus, I believe in you and I want you to come into my heart. I want to start this relationship with God. And you might be listening by live stream. If you're there and you need to start getting yourself right with God, say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me for everything. I've done wrong. 
come into my heart and save me. And I'll live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer and you're here today and it's the first time you prayed it, or perhaps you just rededicated today. You've said that prayer before, but, you know, I need to get this thing together. And you rededicated your life today, either the first time or rededication. Just raise your hand where you are. You don't have to come here. I'll send somebody to you. Amen. Amen. Right here. Let's pray that prayer today. Let's, be, let's rejoice. Let's get happy about that. We're excited about that. That means things are right with you and God. There's a book that I want you to have, uh, and it'll tell you the rest what to do on this journey. They're going to come to you, and they're going to talk to you, young man. And we are so grateful that, that, that you prayed that prayer today. Your life is set, I promise you. If you just keep walking in this thing, this is a great life to have. Amen. Anybody else? said, I prayed that prayer, and I do want to start my walk with God. Amen. Amen. If, you're, uh, if you have um, prayed that prayer, please put in the comment section that you prayed that prayer, that you either rededicated your life or dedicated your life to Jesus for the first time. I want to get you that book as well that helps you to know what your next steps will be. And we would love to be your church family. We would love to be your church family. Amen. It's a young man. You can give all of them, but did he get it? Yes. And we want to get some information, get you connected. Amen. Um, so put it in there. You can go to newantioch-aliante.org and go to the connect button and we will connect with you. Any of that's here that needs to be connected to a Bible study. Yes, you may have your seats. Connected to a Bible study. We would love for you to get connected to one of our groups. When you go out of those doors, uh, there's an information table there. And we'll get you all signed up. I would love to be your pastor. We would love to be your church family. Because we're a family. We're more than family-ish. We're a family here at New Antioch. And those are our services today. I am going to bring uh, Pastor Sharonda to give us instruction on our fellowship uh, this afternoon. Uh, but tonight, tonight, tonight is our baccalaureate service for our graduates. We get to talk about them and let them walk and, and, and stand and we applaud them and I'll say all that wonderful stuff about them. I want you all to go out. It's at 610 Bell Rose. Uh, we have quite a few graduates here at the Aliante Church and we want you to come and celebrate. We always talk about about when kids and young people are doing off stuff, but we need to come celebrate when they're doing the right thing. Amen. And most of all, we, we got to have keynote addresses, and but most of all, we're going to pray for them. Uh, their theme tonight is ready for what's next. And we are going to pray them ready for what's next. So we have uh, Tiana Gay, who is graduating from Texas Southern University. We have Shanae Abernathy, who is getting her ABA certification to be to, to, for treatment for autistic kids. We have Alexis Lewis. Woo! Graduating from Georgetown and has been accepted to Harvard Law School. I am just proud. I'm just so excited. Y'all don't understand Harvard Law School, honey. Y'all, 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 I'm just so excited about that. Welcome home. So proud of you. And we have Miss Jade that's graduated. I just feel you just a sweet little baby. 
Jade is graduating from high school. Renard is graduating from high school. Where is he? There he is. Come on, graduating from high school. We have Zakia Smith is graduating from college. It's a yeah, that she graduated. And then we have Diva and Seneca, who were kind of raised up here. The twins are graduating. We have Nayani Manor is graduating high school. And uh, Sean Richardson graduated from CSN. Wave at us, Sean. Lamia, she'll be speaking tonight. Uh, uh, Sean is going to talk a little bit tonight, too. But Lamia's graduated with her master's from Arizona State University. And Bishop, I call him Mr. New Antioch. He was in here somewhere. Where's Bishop? There he is back there. We always got him working. He's graduating from high school. Um, and we have a Charles uh, Jackson and Terrell Ashford. Little Terrell is graduating. Yeah, not little Terrell, big grown man Terrell is graduating from high school. So those are our graduates, and we may have a few more. So come and let's celebrate them tonight. Love on them and pray on them. We've already talked about CGR. That's June 14th through 17th, and that is for young people going to eighth grade through graduates from high school. Go to cgrleadership.org. It's $225 for the entire week. That's a lot for $225. Um, but we do need sponsors. It's at 6. Oh, I'm sorry. It says 7. It says 6 p.m. The baccalaureate is at 6 p.m. We do everything in New Antioch at 6 p.m. Um, but then Vacation Bible School. That's for our younger kids. Our younger kids, June 7th through 10th, will be having Vacation Bible School. Theirs is just $40 for the entire week. Vacation Bible School is excellent, and it is here at the Aliante campus. You can register your kids right outside that door as well. And tomorrow, the shirt I have on now is our 5K Run Walk fundraiser for mental health. All of the proceeds are going to uh, be able to give mental health services to someone that does not have insurance uh, or does not cannot afford that services. We got a really good turnout, and you get this T-shirt if you register. Um, so we, I think uh, there's like one T-shirt left out there, but we'll get you the T-shirts tomorrow. To walk tomorrow is at 6.30 a.m. because it's Las Vegas. It's at 6.30 a.m. We're going to start across the street. Uh, get that flyer. Uh, the green flag has all the information across the street. Our location, we're going to start at ACS Community Services, walk uh, the 5K, and end up back at ACS. You can also register right outside of the door uh, for our mental health walk. To, to walk is $35 registration. Uh, but you can donate $50, $75, $100, $5,000. We'll give you a T-shirt if you would donate as well. Uh, to our mental health walk. And then right after that, I also need you to get this flyer. This flyer is right outside as well. It is our Memorial Day picnic, a family day picnic. is tomorrow at 10, from 10 to 2 at Craig Ranch Park. Look for the cabin. The cabin is where we're going to be in Craig Ranch Park. Uh, so all the information is on here so you know where we're going. Family fun, games and prizes, and... Um, Pastor will talk about what we're supposed to bring, but everybody come. You can even bring your animals. They bring their animals every year. I guess your pets. 
<laughs> and family members that typically won't go to church, but they'll come to a picnic. Let's give them some love. Let them, let them get a taste of New Antioch. And so that's all on tomorrow. Uh, we're going to bring up Pastor Sharonda again. I pray that you've enjoyed our services today. Come back and see us every Sunday. It's going on over here. God bless you. Let me take your mic. Let's thank God for our pastor and that word on this afternoon. Thank you, thank you. For those who are coming um, to the ACS 5K Walk, ACS is across the street in the Smith Shopping Center right next door to Leslie Pool. So if you get across the street and get to Leslie Pool, you're at ACS. That's going to be our starting place uh, on tomorrow. And today is Friends and Family Sunday. And so thank you, friends and family that came. And I just have a question for everybody. Who has at least one friend or family that came to church? At least one. Who has at least one friend or family that came to church with you? So there were some people here that was supposed to choose to accept that assignment. And I wanted to see those hands intentionally, and so we'll be talking after church for those who didn't even invite one friend or family. Y'all, this is important, but I ain't going to fuss right now. Let me see the hands of everybody who invited at least one friend or family. At least one. Oh, now I got more hands than what I had on the first shot. They don't want to get in trouble, Pastor, because there was only three hands, and now I see ten hands. Who's telling the truth? Y'all telling the truth-ish. <laughs> okay, so who has at least three guests that came with them today? I see your hand, Deontay. Deontay got at least three. You got at least three guests that came with you? Who came with you today? Okay, okay. I got at least three, two. I got at least three. Who got at least five people that came with them today? Okay, Deontay got at least five. Do I got five? I think I got five. I think I got five. I got at least five. Okay, who, who got at least seven people that came with them today? Uh-oh. Deontay got at least seven people that came with him today. Tara, do I got seven? Okay, I got seven. I got seven. Who got at least ten? Oh, Deontay got 10. He got 10. Do I got 10? Oh, come on, man. Let's give it up to Deontay and Tiffany Washington. So tell me how many it is. Do y'all know how many it is, Deontay? How many guests did you bring with you today? 10 guests. Come on. That's how you do friends and family. If you are online, put in the comments who invited you and that you joined in because that person invited you. Y'all, this is important. This is where we fellowship. This is where our friends and family who don't usually come to church, this is where they get to learn and know about God. This is where they get to experience the people of God. Sometimes we get a bad rap. Because they just don't know us. And so thank you, all of the friends and family who came with uh, Tiffany and uh, on Deontay on this afternoon. And so we got hot dogs ready for the friends and family. We got some chips and drink ready. Thank you to my family who came. We're going to talk to the rest of them because we could win. 
Oh, we got 10 too? Wait a minute. Challenge. Challenge. How many is it 10? And we got 10. Y'all know what we gonna do? What did we just talk about for the family? If we gonna come under, if we gonna come under and let them have it. See, see, we, we real, we not family-ish, we family-ish. See, we gonna come under and we gonna give it to them anyway, right? That's what you do, that's what you do, that's what you do. And so we did set up some tables and some chairs on this side. If you want to sit and hang and have a hot dog, you can grab yours to go if you want to. But Pastor Renee really wanted to do Friends and Family Day right. And so she's given us an opportunity. Introduce yourself to somebody that you don't know. Say hey to somebody, learn their name, and we just gonna fellowship for a little bit. We do have to get over to our um, baccalaureate service at 6 p.m. And so thank you all for being here. For those of you who are members are going to coming to our Memorial Day picnic on tomorrow, Eliante, we're responsible for drinks and dessert. Bring them, we need you to bring them so that we have enough. Right? Just bring them over to the park tomorrow if you didn't bring them today. But let us know that you're going to bring them. Yes, Pastor. And sign-ups for VBS is also out there. Y'all come on and do this 5K walk with us in the morning. Who coming to do it? Y'all come on. I thank you. Up one hand up. Man. Two hands up. Can I get three hands up for the 5K walk in the morning? <laughs> Let's stand up and pray our way out. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, everybody who is a guest came out on Friends and Family Day, and for those of you on Facebook Live. Father God, we said thank you for this day. Thank you for the word on the family, God. Thank you for holding our families together. And Lord, we bless your name, God. Let us be those, oh God, that are praying in the family, that are speaking well of our family. Show us the one in our family that we ought to go to, that we need to speak with, God, that we need to, to love on. And we said thank you, oh God, for the opportunity. God, take us from this place. Keep us safe on this holiday weekend. Oh God, we pray over our city on everyone coming and going. Would you keep us safe, God? And we said thank you in advance. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Y'all high five somebody. Grab something. Grab a snack. You can do it now. They're ready for you.